Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. You could watch it all day and all night. It was wonderful. What are you looking at? I'm looking at the capacities for um, college football stadiums. It's over 100 at Rock uh, 100, 101, uh, just yeah. about 102,000. Yeah. Michigan at 107,000. I didn't say Michigan. I you said, said the, the horseshoe. I said the horseshoe. Which is Ohio State. Ohio State. 102,000. So there's bigger? And Penn State is 106,000. So a lot yeah. of people. And yes. they're always filled. They're always. They're always filled. It's not like going to a game at Penn. <laughs> No, where there's 4,000 people hey, in a 100,000 stadium. Has a pretty big capacity, yeah. okay? This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. To this point, Michael Shapiro, uh, who's loving the sports life in Philly, as he writes, says, heard you say there are a lot of people in those college stadiums on game day. An interesting piece of trivia. Every time there's a packed home game at Happy Valley, Beaver Stadium, just the stadium, just the stadium becomes the third largest city in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Philly, Pittsburgh, well, then he says Erie and boom, Beaver Stadium. That would be fourth. Um, this is also true in Nebraska. Oh, and sure. every single game in Nebraska, they become the third largest city in Nebraska. Behind Lincoln and Omaha, Omaha. I assume. Yeah. Well, not behind Lincoln. I guess behind Lincoln. But Omaha for certain. Yeah, so that happens a lot. I mean, these stadiums are enormous. Chris Liz is with us today. And when we originally planned to do this, we didn't have as much stuff to talk about. And so I wanted to take some time to talk to Chris about two things that you're doing that people should know about. Okay. Okay. Yes, I'm ready. One is a podcast. Yes. And before you start. Oh, they brought back Sequiza? No. (laughs) R.I.P. Sequiza. Before you start, (laughs) we have information through sponsorships that there are now 2.4 million podcasts in America. Yep. Of which I have said 2.39 something or other yep. are totally useless. I, Into which camp does yours fall? I felt like given that there are only 2.4 million, we needed one more. That's right. You know? <laughs> um, mine is called Downside Up. It basically is a totally non-politics podcast. We do... I spend... As you know, I spend a lot of my life worried about the what-ifs of life. Like, what if I have some terrible disease... Uh, so I decided to channel that energy into a podcast where we think about like what if questions. So the first one was what if dogs had never been domesticated, for example, like what would our lives look like? Jesse wouldn't be laying exactly. here on the, on the correct. Rug. She used to be a gray wolf way back in the day. I yeah. learned so it's stuff like that. It's been really really fun. It's done. You know, I mean, again, there are two point four million podcasts. So the idea that it's going to be in the top hundred on the third episode is not high. I'm emulating the success of this. How often do you do it? Once a week, every Monday. And do you do it alone? I do. And do you take calls? Nope. It's, you just it's you just an, go. it's a fully formed episode. I talked to two or three people. Well, actually, I'm doing one on the NCAA. What if the NCAA should the NCAA not exist? That we talked to Paul Feinbaum, friend of the show, right, and Jay Billis, friend of the show. Yes. Uh, so um, it's been great so far. We filmed, I think. Se- or, oh, you filmed or taped? Taped? Not. Well, no. Is it visual? No. Oh, taped. Okay. Um, s- seven or eight of them so far, um, and there's going to be ten. So we're well on our so way. So it, it's it's a series of podcasts. It's a 10, 10 episode run, and we'll see if there's a season two. Well, HBO not interested? Uh, we're waiting to they see. Should be. We're waiting to see. This 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 uh, promo on this show is a critical component of its success. <laughs> Littles, if you well, even I was going to say if you like me, but that's a small group. Yeah, <laughs> Littles, if you know my name, no, they all know me. Downside you, you up. You can hate listen. Yeah. yeah, hate listen to it. It's just it's these dulcet tones for forty five minutes straight, baby. And you have a book. I do. That's a really really exciting. So it's about um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, obviously, the two things I care the most about in life are sports and politics. So it's about sports and politics. It basically, it's called Power Players: uh, Sports, Politics, and the American Presidency. Looks at every president from Eisenhower to Biden. Sports they played, loved, spectated, and what it tells us about them. It's done. It's it's totally written. I finished it uh, right around Labor Day. Do you need a blurb from me? Can I, I use may need a the blurb. Dan Jenkins famous blurb? Yes, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. <laughs> that yeah. would be fine. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I may be needing to hit you up for a blurb. We have not gotten to that point yet, but trust me, I will be shameless so, if uh, that is the case. I know the this. book is out in April. Right. I know this, and you know this as well. The people who sit in the Oval Office. They don't watch CNN. They don't no. watch MSNBC. They don't watch Fox. Their underlings watch these things and report to them things that are egregious. 
But most of the time, they don't know anything about these things. They watch sports. Yep. Clinton watched sports. Elder Bush watched sports. Younger Bush watched sports. Obama watched sports. I can't talk to Trump. I don't he know. Watched, I Biden mean, watches sports. Trump is Trump is very into sports. I mean, sports. There's, there's a there's a big. He was a very good golfer. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I know Not people as good talk. As he says he is. I but understand he's still that. Good. But yes. Michael. You played I was with great him. putter. Yeah, I mean he he does the thing that the good free, golfers do. A couple free strokes. They but. putt. Okay, but yeah. he was you know he was, I'll bet he was a fairly low single. I'll bet he was a five or a six. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And he says he's a two, so that's about right. Oh, okay, that's right. But but um, you know the whole thing with one one interesting thing. There's a lot of cool stories, but one interesting thing with Trump is you know he so he founded or bought the New Jersey Generals in the USFL. Yes, and it was all and a ploy. Sort of ruined it because he led the lawsuit that ended. Not the sort of ruined it. Ruined it. Ruined it. Yeah. Yes, and so he um, he the whole idea was the USFL would be a way a power play for him to get an NFL team. Which he always wanted, and P- and that was turned down multiple times. And there's this argument that goes: if they had just given, he tried to buy the Bills, and he wanted to make the New Jersey Generals an NFL franchise. And there's an argument that goes: had either of those things succeeded, we may never have gotten the run for president. That right. he would have been occupied, he would have been in a very exclusive club uh, that he always wanted to be a member of. So yeah, he's um, like Trump is interesting because like everything else in his life. He's actually, he was a very good baseball player too, but he said he was the best baseball player in New York. And, you know, like everything, everything is like mostly. Well, Mickey Mantle was playing at that time. <laughs> right, right. That's pretty good. There's, there's truth in in it, but he has to kind of, you know, yeah. gild the lily yeah, every fun. time. But it's it's it was hugely fun and interesting to write. I talked to tons of uh, cool people, including many people who are friends of this show, Um about the different presidents and the things they did. Nixon's the Nixon chapter is my favorite. Um, Nixon was, I mean, a literal fanatic. He was asked one time, like, who his favorite old time baseball players were. Like, some AP reporter asked him randomly, and he's like, "Let me get back to you on that." And he came up with four teams, like four separate full teams with like relief pitchers, and I mean, he like went deep. It's a bit like I yeah, went full Kirchin. Yes, the full Kirchin. And, uh, like, so he's, in, you know, obviously he bowled, which is, has its own, you know, him bowling he put alone the bowling at the White alley House. in the White yes. House, right. Him bowling, like, game after game by himself in the White okay. House has its own, like, tell- telltale signs of, like, Nixon's mania. Um, but, yeah, it was – I don't want to talk too much about it. It was a wonderful, fun book to write. Uh, it's out April 18th, right before Father's Day. What's it called? Power Players. Okay. Thank you for mentioning Trump and football because it leads me into something. There may very well be a team available within <laughs> two miles of where I'm sitting. Right. Um, last night, this is a little inside baseball. We had prepared the PTI show to start with a recap of the Monday night football game. The turgid, another turgid national television performance by Russell Wilson and Denver Broncos who stink. Mm. And I was all over this. I was ready to launch on how bad they are and how foolish I and others were in saying that the AFC West was going to be by far the best division in football because look at the quarterbacks. Okay, so you had Justin Herbert with a very mediocre performance. He only he only completed passes. His average pass completion was six yards. And he's supposed to be great. Derek Carr isn't great. Patrick Mahomes is great. Russell Wilson is the anchor that's forcing the ship underneath the water. <laughs> he has been so terrible. So I was really ready to go. And then we taped an interview with Kendrick Perkins, who's always fun to talk to. And so that puts us to about 4.45 or 4.50. And Matt Kelleher says, did you hear about this thing with Jim Ursay? Into my ear and into Mike's ear. I go, what? He says, Jim Ursay just said that the league ought to get rid of Dan Snyder. And I said, Jim Ursay? The mad tweeter, the guy that's got all sorts of personal foibles that if you you don't even need a private investigator to find out because they are all on the public record, that guy? And Kelleher said, do you think we should put the story in? you think we should lead with it? And Mike and I both said, sure. Mike didn't want me attacking Russell Wilson, and he had a chance to attack Dan Snyder. And Mike believes that Dan Snyder is going out. 
He believes he's going out. He thinks it's just like Robert Sarver, who he, he knew that situation from living in Arizona. He, he feels that there's no public support for Dan Snyder, and there is no public support. There's no league support, and there is no league support. And he thinks it's just a matter of time, whereas I have taken the position all along. You're going a little fast for me on this one. I'm not sure that other owners want to vote him out because that means they've established a precedent of voting people out and the next guy to be voted out could be them. And I'm not sure that you can get him out without something very direct, without, without some violation of the law or morality or the code that is so direct that no one can defend it. Okay? So that's my position I took on television. And I find it, and I, I will open this up, um, if you don't know this about Jim Irsay, he has been fined and suspended by the league for pleading guilty to driving while intoxicated some years back. He has talked about having drug problems for years. It, it, again, if, if, if everybody's appalled that Snyder is digging up dirt on owners, this guy's dirt is evident. Everybody knows it. So it leads to Kelleher's theory, which is an interesting theory that maybe the league put him out there because everybody knows about him. And if he's saying get rid of Snyder, what are the rest of them saying? We thought this was a really big story. I think it was the right call to make. We just roughed it out and went basically with it and said what we had to say. And I thought it was the right thing to do. What are your thoughts on this? Um, Yeah, I think it's a huge story. And I think it's such a big story because that group of owners is, you know, a little cabal. I mean, they protect one another because, to your point, if something can be done to one of them, then they're all aware that it could be done to some, you know, there but for the grace of God go I situation. I agree with Kelleher on the Ursay thing. I think... You think it was a plant? I think if you're listing... Okay, if you find out, as we did last week from the ESPN reporting, that... that, uh, Snyder has dossiers, call them what you want, on people, or may have these dossiers. Maybe. Or has done investigations. Maybe. Who do you immediately think of first? Ursay, probably, and Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones. Right. And And, Robert Kraft. So, right. That's who you think. And so, having one And that's misdirection, because these other people are far worse. Right. Those are just what we know. (laughs) That's right. But I think rolling Ursay out there suggests that, like, it's a, well, we're not afraid of you. Move. Yeah, whether, whether he has dossiers or not, you know, I'm not sure they know. But if he says, if Snyder says, and his uh, public relations people came out with a statement right away mm-hmm. denying all of these things and saying, well, he's not going to sell. He's not going to sell. He'll force the vote. He'll yep. force the vote. Yeah, that's the first thing that I, th- I thought of when you see Ursay's name attached to any of that and you realize they've been in meetings all day. This is before you find out that Kraft and Jones are having their own little spat behind behind doors. But you look at it and say, just look at it from D.C. outward. What is the sentiment right now between all the sports fans? That he has ruined a storied franchise, that he's been a, every move that he's done has been bad. And this is before you get to the sort of the real moral and ethical things that were going on behind the scenes that we are now beginning to uncover. And there's going to be more of that that's coming out sooner and sooner. So what he is, his strategy seems to me to be this. Mistakes were made, but I am correcting these mistakes. I've, I realize what, what has gone wrong here. And we can fix it. Look at who we've hired lately. Look at what we've done. Look how inclusive we are. And by the way, this prevents Ron Rivera from being fired. Oh, my gosh. It's like the the, safest job. It's like the learners learners selling the Nationals. Davey's got a job for as long. This is the safest job in in the entire sport. But but if you look at even the the passive way that you're framing that, by sending out Ursa and you say, like, what what does the vote need to get to? It's 24, correct? Yeah. If you think about... 24 of 32. 24 of 32. And if you think about what is the vote that we'd get today, it's probably higher than you think. And now you're getting the groundswell from just... Other franchises this is who, support their, who are going to support that representative saying, get this guy out. This is Wilbon's position. It allowed me to say something that I've wanted to say for a while. And I, you know, I know Mike understands this because it happens to him as well. Just yesterday, um, it wasn't just yesterday. It was the other, uh, the other day I walked the dog uh, while the garbage was being picked up. And the guy driving the truck and the guys on the back 
The guy opens the window and says, are we getting rid of Snyder? It's like that. I'm walking, because I'm recognizable. We getting rid of Snyder, and we stop and talk about this for about five minutes. I take the position, which I've taken, that I think it's going to be harder than you think to get rid of Snyder. Yesterday, I walked into the refugee Safeway. I walked over to the lettuce area, because I can't believe there's been no butter lettuce for like all year. And I say to the guy who's stocking the shelves, the guy I recognize, the guy I know, what's the, what's the deal with the butter lettuce? And he says... We haven't had any in a long time. What's the deal with Snyder? Are we getting rid of Snyder? <laughs> this, is, this is the question. Yep. Uh, because I'm in sports, it's the only question. Yeah. It's not who's going to buy the Nats. It's not what do you think of the football, football team. It's not you got any faith in the basketball. No, it's are we getting rid of Snyder? The sentiment in Washington, it, it's like when, when Trump ran against Biden and I think Trump got 4% of yeah. the vote in the District of Columbia because it's a heavily Democratic area. and Nobody was going to vote for him. Okay. Dan Snyder is at 5% or lower, don't you think? Absolutely. And I think to Michael's point, the question becomes, right, at what point is there a tipping point where everyone starts? You know, I always think of this as like Sarver asking, walked away voluntarily. Right. I always think of it like asking a senator to resign, something come, or, a, or a member of Congress to resign. It, it, it starts out with one or two, and then it sort of it can snowball where you're getting. So you're, are you going to take the Wilbon position that this is going to happen? I don't know that Ursay is enough. Um, I think you'd have to see other owners. I mean, well, this sets I, it up for I'm, a vote of potentially two meetings from now. So that is on their timeline. That Wilbon is speeding it up. Super Bowl. Wilbon believes Super Bowl. I, I'm still a little skeptical. I think I probably would come down with you that it would take something well, there are the, more. Well, there now, are now they may reports. have, they, and they have how they many? How many? How many emails does the NFL have that was sent among? I mean, they may Thousands. have something well, like that. But it's. It, it, I wonder you without got the a Mary sort of Joe White report, gun. and then you have the Attorney General, the outgoing Attorney General Carl Racine of D.C., who's done an investigation. Yep, he has no. Snyder is not. Not popular is such an understatement in this area. And he is and he is increasingly being backed into a corner. There's no question about that. I just don't know how narrow that, you know, yeah. whether he can weasel his way out. Okay. All right. It's interesting you would use the word weasel. <laughs> uh, we'll take a break. Chuck Todd, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, Five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Randy Landis has sent this in. He writes Hope All as well. Attaches a new song from Fumo Landis Walsh. Tom Walsh, John Fumo, and me. It's a chill instrumental with a cool vibe called Tall Grass. This is a jazz group. Yes. I'm not a jazz guy. I li- I, it's background music for me, and I like it a lot, but I can't speak to it. Right. I'm not a jazz person. This is called Tall Grass. It's nice, actually. It is. It's lovely. It's lovely music. And you can listen to all of it at the end of the show and not hear me talk over it. But I don't ruin the vocals, because there are no vocals. <laughs> right. Tall Grass by Fumo Landis Walsh plays in Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd had a lousy week. He was 1-6 after a 1-5-1. Oh, we love Chuck Todd, again. but he's going down the drain. But before we talk about that, we have just sat around here and talked about Jim Ursay, of all people, coming out and saying, get rid of this guy, Dan Snyder. My position remains the same. I think it's not fait accompli. I think it's going to be very hard. I think they need direct linkage with something terrible. Um, you are better at reading tea leaves, political tea leaves, than I by mm-hmm. a lot. What's your sense of it? I think if the NFL could do it, they would strip them of this. I mean, the, the market's been ruined. Right. Um, this is a glamour franchise. Um, and I just think they haven't figured out how to do it. Um, they can't convince them to do it for money. Because, you know, Schneider has this has this sort of same disease that, you know, people wonder why Trump won't go away. And, you know, when you get one of these trophies, whether it's a political trophy of an office, right, or a, or a sports franchise, 
you're more than just another rich guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you're the you're the rich guy with something. You're the rich guy with an identity. Nobody. I mean, the minute Snyder loses his football team, people will thankfully not take his call. I mean, think about this with Donald Trump. You think Rex Tillerson ever wanted to take a meeting with Donald Trump <laughs> before 2015? Right. Mm-hmm. The CEO of Exxon, Donald Trump, called. Give me a break. And then all of a sudden, he's the nominee for the Republican. Oh God, I better take that call. Yeah. Right. That's what Snyder. So Snyder's not going to do this willingly. The NFL's just got to man up and just decide. Now, I, I Look, I think there needs to be an entire sea change in how leagues, and I would love to see a league, and I think the NBA is the only one that would do this, where a league would promise to let a city vote first before an owner was accepted as a sort of leader of the, you know, owning a franchise of a city. Because at the end of the day, these sports owners, the cities don't get to pick who their owners are. And they end up being reflective of the city and all of this, and, and you know, it, it is it is one of those things where Snyder, he's so toxic. Nobody wants to build a stadium with him. Nobody wants to do a deal with him. You can't do it in Virginia. You can't do it in Maryland. You can't do it in D.C. It's just politically too toxic. So as a business decision, the NFL is fools to stay in business with Snyder. But I think that they're all just legally scared. And perhaps, you know, perhaps Snyder's, you know, threats are working. You know, we'll okay. see. But Jim Ursay, I mean, yeah. you know, the Ursay thing reminds me. I told my wife this one time. She was really upset about the political situation. I said, I said, be careful. I said, it's somebody you, somebody you don't like right now is going to be the hero of this story. And there are plenty of people that fall into that category these days. And on that side of the aisle, if you look at it politically, to think in this, in our region, that a guy named Ursay could be the hero. For the Washington franchise, wow. that's something else. The son of the <laughs> man who took the team out of yeah. Baltimore in the middle of the night in Mayflower vans. That guy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Redemptions take a while. But yeah. All right. So I won't even talk about the fact that you're 2-11-1 and one in the last All two I, weeks. Can I, can I use my day job as the excuse? I mean, I'm, right <laughs> sure. now I'm in Georgia today. Okay. I spend all night watching TV ads. I don't look at my spreads as well as I normally do. So I, okay. all I have is excuses of the day job. That's all I can tell you. 19, need to, need to focus, and one. Chuck. Need to focus on what's important here. Yeah, just, yeah. Oh, man. There's a voice out of so uh, Yeah, that's right. Edith, Edith is there. Yeah, yeah that's so right. Good to see you, Edith. That's Sit right. in. If you right, wait outside the house enough times, they let you in. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Jim Ursay, Indianapolis is at Tennessee. Indianapolis is getting two and a half at Tennessee. Tennessee's been terrible this year. Indianapolis has been terrible. Matt Ryan had a very good game last week. Indianapolis plus two and a half at Tennessee. We have forgotten about Tennessee. Where are you going? It's a tough one um, because I, I feel like both teams are are, are have – mediocre to bad personnel but they're well coached right they they're, yes you know say yes. what you will about the colts but you know like and vrabel yes the, the colts should they if they were winless it wouldn't have surprised me they could easily be winless and they somehow have a winning record they've, they've just been you know they've they've pulled some games um out of nowhere uh, two and a half it's a small number it's an inner I, i'm i'm gonna go with the home team uh because I really have no confidence in my picks right now. But okay, so you'll go I, with Tennessee. I, I, I guess I'm going to go with the home team. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee coming out of a bye. I always like teams coming out of a bye on yeah. a reset. I like that. I don't understand the next spread at all. They are begging you to bet on Jacksonville. The New York Giants – I'm sorry. They're begging you to pl- bet on the Giants. Yeah. New York Giants yeah. plus three. The Giants are 5-1 and one or something like that. 5-1. Jacksonville mm-hmm. is better, yes. but they're not winning games – the Giants, is this the real spread? Giants plus three at Jacksonville? Because if it is, how could you not bet on the Giants? Right, Chuck? They are trying to beg you to do it. There's a, a stat I just read this morning. Um, the Jags have lost 18 straight against the NFC. Oof. Now, the problem with the Jags is, you know, when, when, you, when you lose as many games they have, my guess is there's a lot of streaks like that. You know, there's, you know when, you've, when you've lost as much as they have over the last few years. I, you know, I, I, it is this line absolutely begs you to take the Giants, yes. which is why you should take the Jags. Yes. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna choke, choke down this pick and take the get and and take the Jags, um, because it feels like this is, you know, I know what is the Parcells line. You are what your record says you are. Yep. 
it's okay. I feel like five and two looks a lot better on the Giants than six and one. Okay. All right. The New York Jets, who are a terrible team, I don't care what their record is. The New York Jets last week had 99 net yards passing against Green Bay. 99, that's all. They were one for 11 on third down plays. They're getting one at Denver. This is down from three as people like the Jets betting the thing down. Denver is awful, absolutely (laughs) awful. But I believe that that their coach is coaching for his job this week. I believe that if Denver doesn't win this game, Nathaniel Hackett is out. Out. Didn't we say this? I believe we had the exact same conversation about Denver. About about, Denver. Oh, when? Hackett was coaching for his job. Okay. Well, then he didn't get fired, and he should have been. I know. (laughs) I mean, because Russell Wilson stinks. They have no offense. They have the worst offense in the league. They have the fewest points in the league. Denver. And it's never a good sign when in the first two games of the season, the head coach has to apologize for coaching mistakes. (laughs) Who you got in this one? Yeah, I I, um, – by the way, I don't think anybody's betting on the Jets. I do think they're betting against Denver. You have to. For what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah. You're betting against Denver if you're doing this. I'm betting against Denver. I'm – I hate I, – I don't – any. by the way, any other team in this spot against Denver would be favored. So I like the Jets more when it was sitting at two. Well, I thought and it was I can three. tell you a lot of people are going to tease the Jets this week. Right. Meaning they're going to raise it six points and match it up with something else. But I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take the Jets here. Take the Jets. Seattle is getting six and a half of the Chargers. The Chargers did not look good on Monday night at all. Maybe their quarterback is still hurt with his ribs. Seattle won a game, I think. Um, Seattle is a well-coached team, and the Chargers go on every fourth down. Every fourth (laughs) down. There's no point in even having a punter because they're going for it. This is a pretty big number, six and a half, um, in a divisional game, right? Is that a divisional? No, it's not. It's AFC NFC. used to be. Yeah, Yeah, a long time ago. Who you got? In the old Steve Largent days. By the way, this good coaching, bad coaching, isn't that Pittsburgh game a a reminder of how good a coach Mike Tomlin is? And it's like, how few good coaches. I know you and Wilbon go off on this. Wilbon hates them all. Second it. Hates all the coaches. He's, he's, it, is, it is amazing. You know, this, this, you guys, your rants on analytics, I'm all for it because I'm seeing it in politics too where people are um, held hostage by numbers. They're held hostage by the percentages. Well, you know, 50%, you know, I don't know. It's, the, the numbers said go for it or the numbers said don't target this state. The numbers said this. People trap themselves in these analytics, and it is tr- tr- um, trumping common sense. Anyway, and I think we don't appreciate the Pete Carrolls of the world because look at what he has. Look at his roster. He's got Geno Smith, and exactly. Geno Smith's leading the league in percentage. And, he, and he's, got some, he's got some running backs nobody's ever heard of. Right. Geno right, Smith after. is the best-known guy on that team. I mean, yeah. I can't. I was just trying to. Well, well DK Chuck, Metcalf. Well, Chuck, is, is DK Metcalf. Well, Chuck was saying yeah. running backs. I can't even think of no. who it is. So you're going to take Seattle? Right. I, I, on those points, yeah, yeah okay. I, I want Seattle on all those points. Okay. That's, that's San Diego, or L.A., sorry. What have they done to earn that? It's all San Diego. you got to call them San Diego. It's your whole yeah, life yeah, they've yeah. been San Diego. Uh, bounce Thank back game. Permission. Both teams, Kansas City at San Francisco. Somebody's going to lose their third game of the year, at least. It's not a good situation. Kansas City minus three at San Francisco. Kansas City... Started last season three and four, by the way. Did they? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So I, I, I say that to comfort myself as a Packer fan. Oh, three and three is fine. You know, third loss, you guys, you can overcome it um, if you find a wide receiver. Um, I hate to bet on Kansas City losing two in a row. I love the San Francisco team uh, a lot. This could be a, another, another, not just a Super Bowl rematch, a Super Bowl preview. Um, Give me Kansas City. Okay. Um, just because I just two in a row is a lot. Okay. Pittsburgh, who did so well last week against Tampa Bay, is getting seven at Miami. Tua is, I think, going to start. Um, Tua is better than whatever else they have. Pittsburgh is not a good team. That may have, that may have been their one shining moment of the year. But they're getting seven points. And they're, I assume, back to Mitch Trubisky. Is, is Pickett in concussion protocol? I'm not certain of that. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky was very good in the second half of that game. Who you got? Uh, because Pittsburgh won the Dolphins. Okay. You know, Pittsburgh come up short, you know, 
maybe, you know, but they're, I'm with you. They got their, they, they, they got their big win. Um, their big upset and, um, to a, with the offense, uh, down there, they could put up a lot of points and I don't know how Pittsburgh, you know, can they score? We know Pittsburgh can score 20. Can they score 24? Can they score 28? I don't think so. I think okay. the Dolphins put up 30. And now for a Green Bay fan, Green Bay is a road favorite in Washington. Washington. Oh, my God. Washington has, doesn't have Carson Wentz. They're going to be better off without Carson Wentz because Taylor Heineke yeah, actually right. knows what he's doing. Green Bay is a disaster. They are, they are the most interesting team in the league this year because they are going down the bowl. Aaron Rodgers didn't want to work with these receivers, criticize these receivers. They drop his passes or the passes don't get there. They got 10 points against the Jets at home in Lambeau. They got 10 points. This must kill you because you like Green Bay so much. It does. Uh, they are giving five and a half against a bad team. Have you, um, are you seeing any, I'll tell you, are you seeing any Dan Marino and Aaron Rodgers? Do you know what I mean by that? You mean falling off the table at the end? Well, there's that always blaming somebody else. Blame, so yeah, well, Dan Marino always did that. Marino, yeah. did he ever make a mistake as a quarterback? <laughs> no. Or was it a receiver? Didn't and run all the those Super Bowls right. that Marino That's won, right. oh, wait. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, Aaron Rodgers has, you know, it, it just feels like it's always somebody else's fault. It bugs me. I, look, I, I, this is a, a gots to win. Right. This is, and if you're ever going to get right, Washington football team's a, a, a pretty good matchup to get right against. So, and wait, I, and, and wait, it should be a home game. Yeah. It should right. It should right. be a sort of de facto so, home game. Which let me with get this straight. You think this is a gods to win? But in yeah. Lambeau against the Jets, wasn't? I know. We thought the same <laughs> thing last week too. I, you're not wrong, but like three and, you know, okay. Can you imagine three straight losses for the Packers? That are Giants, Jets, Commies. Commies. Going down to the I mean, commies. That commies. Is. By the way, who you got? Soto or Harper? I've the got Mike Harper. Rizzo series? I've got Harper. Yeah, I do. I do too. I have and I've got Harper. I I I hope since we started with talking about one owner, I hope these other owners in Washington are embarrassed by this NLCS. I hope they're not proud of this moment. Yeah, because all of their players are still playing with yeah. somebody else. All of their players. All right. Thank yeah. you, Chuck. Good luck with Bye, these. Bye, guys. Chuck See Todd, you. boys and girls. And if we just gave you Chuck Todd, that would always be enough. But we give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scratching, watching his iPad, smoking and laughing, hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple attache. Nigel's going to the zoo, zoo, zoo. zoo. Reginald's got the vice, by two. Sometimes he throws boo, 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 boo. Then he's had too much Johnny Walker, boo. So what do you got? I missed the delay. That's so catchy. <laughs> It really does. It really is a great song. Uh, so I went down Spills to the national. The lungs. <laughs> I went down to the national zoo, and uh, Reginald was having his Halloween party. Good. Maybe a little bit early, but he loves this holiday. Very great guest list. Some of the people there: Jean Claude Kelly, yeah. Pitbull, Mel Brooks, and Cardi B. There you go. Very eclectic crowd. Yes. But they all love Reginald. Reginald, of course, was dressed as he always is, as William Howard Taft. <laughs> big, Smart. big fan of the president. A big. I noticed you used the word big there about Taft. Yeah. I get it. Three I see bills, what you're baby. doing. Yeah. Three bills. Stuck in a bathtub. Yeah. He had to get one of those fake inflatable, you know, sumo outfits. But big cat, William really. Howard Taft. I always yes. thought of Reginald as Mr. Worldwide. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So the first game we had, they took a break from the festivities. And the first match we gave him was the Giants getting three at the Jags. And he showed me this old photograph of him hang gliding with Mark Bavaro, <laughs> Phil McConkey, and Jeff Hostetler. So he's going to take the Giants. Yeah, that tells me he's got ties to New York. And he was two and, uh, the monkey's 11 and 7. Yeah. Let, uh, he was 2 and 1 last week. The monkey, <laughs> I say again, is 11 and 7. He's a simian. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes, he is. He's a clever simian, but a simian, simian. nonetheless. nonetheless. Yes. Uh, now, the next match we gave him was uh, Pittsburgh getting seven at Miami. And uh, this is another faded photograph um, in, in a newspaper of Reginald at a hot dog eating contest with Jack Lambert, Lynn Swan, and Franco Harris. 
By the way, he always likes Pittsburgh. He does. He's he good. takes Pittsburgh all the time. Yeah. Got strong, strong ties to the city. He is a city. predictable monkey. Yes. By the way, Jack Lambert won that contest eating 180 hot dogs in go. just 10 minutes. Yeah. Not that, a surprise. That checks out. Right. Uh, now, the na- next match we gave him, of course, was the Nanders hosting Green Bay and getting five and a half at home. Uh, and this was just a simple shot of him riding a tandem bike, you know, one of those one bike, two seats with Vince Lombardi. Not sure where so they were. So he's going with the Packers. He's going to go with the Packers on this. Yes. Okay. Because Vince Lombardi has ties to the Washington team, too. He, right? That's I mean, he true. Coached for a year. That's true. I think there was a Green Bay hat on, on Lombardi okay. when he was oh, on the bike. That's so, the key. So I think he's going to take Green Bay with that. Okay. We'll see if that works out. Uh, we will take a break. Richard Justice, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a fellow named Scott Parker who goes under the professional name of Midlife's Crisis. I sort of like that, Midlife's Crisis. This is a new song called In the Kitchen. It's available on all the streaming services. It's currently number nine on the hugs at WRRG. (coughs) Top 200 unsigned artist chart. What is that? (laughs) What is the hugs at WRRG top 200 unsigned artist chart? I could be number four on that. I think you are, actually. It's unbelievable. I have a piano is on that list. Yeah. (laughs) In the Kitchen by Midlife's Crisis. Michael, if people like Midlife's Crisis want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. And that song is climbing the charts faster than uh, Schwarber's home run is climbing the seats. Holy. 488. In, a, in an actual game where the pitcher's trying to get you out. He did, reduced the size of the ball with that hit. It went out like a pea. Yeah. Did you see Harper's reaction? Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. What a shot. 488 in a real game. I mean, that is a... Kyle sure did look good in Nationals uniform. Kyle mm-hmm. Schwarber had the greatest June ever. And we got rid of him, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Richard Justice joins us now. Let's start with your hometown. Or your adopted hometown. You're from Texas, but your hometown, Houston. How do people in Houston feel about this team right now that is a really good team? Uh, complete love, adoration, whatever, whatever word you want to use. Uh, the town is pretty much obsessed with it. Anywhere you walk down the street, people are talking about Jordan Alvarez, number one, Justin Verlander. They love this team. You know, this team went five decades and was never – any good, and now for six straight years in the ALCS. Uh, I think they like the team. Um, they like the personalities of the team. They, Altuve is as popular athlete as this city has ever had. And obviously from the moment they got Verlander in 2017, uh, they've just been a monster of a team. So let me, let me give people some historical uh, perspective. Today, and we will do this on the PTI show as an anniversary, this is when... Altuve hit a two-run home run and walked off the Yankees uh, and got to get to the World Series. And this is the famous shot of Altuve saying, don't take my shirt off, and what later became, maybe he has a battery attached to his chest and maybe he's getting signals. And after the World Series, which they lost to the Nats, all home games, all home, home teams lost all seven of those games for the first time ever. But after that, it, the revelation of the cheating came out, which gets me to ask you, how troubling is the cheating in terms of legacy? Because this is a really good team. How troubling is the legacy? Um, I think it's inescapable. You did what you did. What you get from Astros fans is, well, look, the Red Sox were doing it, the Yankees were doing it. You know, what about ism? Um, but that doesn't hold any water. And in fact, there's there's deep reporting that they were that they were cheating also in probably in 2018 and 2019 too, uh, or at least they wanted the perception to be. You know, when the Yankees came down here in 2019, uh, MLB told the Yankees um, told the Yankees, don't get carried away, don't be obsessed with what you think is going on in that other dugout. We pretty much convinced Tampa Bay let it get in their heads. There was whistling going on and, and all of that stuff. And, in fact, Aaron Boone went out to the home plate umpire and said, I, I thought we weren't going to have any whistling in this. Now, were they still cheating? I don't know. But the thing is, when you do it one time, you open yourself up. 
to it every time, and what it does is it taints every accomplishment. It will follow Jose Altuve as yeah. great a player as he is, he is as great. much fun as it is he is to watch. It will follow him around till his last day in the game. And I'm certain when it comes time to vote, uh, fill out the Hall of Fame ballots, that will be a factor. That's fair. When you when you open that door, you you let that in. And the thing is, the team was. Good enough. It probably didn't need to do that. You know, you can say, well, they won games two and seven at Dodger Stadium. People don't care about that. What they care about is the fact is you, there were certain rules, uh, and you went way beyond. Well, well, yes, the Yankees were doing things with an Apple Watch. I mean, the Yankees were doing some science dealing stuff, but nothing to the extent right. that the Astros are doing it. George Springer is a great player, and Carlos Correa is a great player left. Right. They had an opportunity to leave the Astros. They left. Imagine how great the Astros would be if they had stayed. Do you think Bregman and Altuve will leave? No, I think they are. They they pretty much they have the team pretty solidified for a few years now. The the question today is Verlander. Uh, he's a free agent after the season, and you know, given what Max Scherzer got, and even though he's thirty nine years old, I mean, he didn't have a good game in game That's one right. of, of this That's postseason. Right. But his last five regular season starts, he left the game with no hitters in three of those. Uh, what you're asking is, do, do Altuve and Bregman want to leave because of the science-stealing scandal? I, I think, no question, they want to stay, both of them. And you're not sure about Verlander? Well, I, he came I'm back. Not sure, I think it's a lifestyle thing with Justin. Where does he want to live? Right. Where does he want to play? He's very close with the owner. I think that he and Kate have made made a home in Houston, but I think they also have a home in Southern California. It's going to come down to where he wants to pitch. He can pretty much. He's one of those guys that's reached a point where he can he can pick his spot on a map and write the contract he wants to write. My gut is he will stay here, but you never know. Uh, let's get to the matchup with the Yankees. Last night, at the end of that game, when Garrett Cole was warming up in the bullpen, I thought, oh, my God, are they going to bring him in if they need him? Are they going to actually bring him in? They did not bring <laughs> him in. Um, I would think Houston has to be the clear favorite here. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, now, Garrett Cole warming in the bullpen, that's a, that's a, that's a, that brings a bad vibes here because in the 2019 World Series, yep. uh, you yep. know, so Garrett Cole was warming up and, Never came, never came into the game. Uh, the Astros are, have the best pitching staff in baseball, the deepest pitching staff in baseball. That's their advantage. But the Yankees aren't in bad shape, and you know this whole thing about too much rest, play, and all that. The Yankees are lined up pretty well. They play. They, they're starting a hometown kid here, a Houston kid, Jamison Tyone, in Game One. But after that, they have Severino and Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez lined up. They're fine. The question for the Yankees is the bullpen is not very good, and can you cover that, mask that in a seven-game series? Offensively, it's sort of a push on the two, Aaron Judge versus Jordan Alvarez. They'll be first and third in MVP voting, all of that. But that doesn't mean you're going to do it. You know, Verlander has to go out and do it tonight. And then and then Lance McCullers has to do it in game three. And, you know, I, I think logically the Astros – are the favorites, but as we've seen in this postseason, again and again and again, um, I don't know what that means. Um, well, it, it means nothing because the Phillies right. have now beaten two division winners to get to where they are. The Padres beat the best team in baseball to get to where they are. What are your thoughts? I, I was on the show yesterday and I said to Wilbon, I'm, you know, I'm leaning towards the Phillies. The Phillies have more pop, and I listed Schwarber and Hoskins and Harper and Real Muto and said they had 205 home runs and and the other team, the Padres, only had 154. And he said, they got more pop than the Dodgers? And I had to say, no, they don't. And the pitching staff of the Padres handled the Dodgers. Who do you like in that series? Um, I don't know who I like. I, you know, because Zach Wheeler pitched a dominant game in game yes, one. Yes. You, you know, and so now the, the thing is both teams had two aces. They had uh, the the Phillies have Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. Nola goes tonight. Yeah. The Padres have Darvish and Blake Snell. And Snell goes tonight. After that, it's sort of a push, and, and it's a good, it's a good, interesting because you know they, they they eliminated heavily favored teams, but it's who you are now. You know, the Padres had a team meeting late in the year after a loss. Bob Melvin got mad at them. Then they had a players only meeting the next day. I think there's something like seventeen. 
and seven since then. The Phillies were going nowhere. They were eight games under five hundred. They fired the manager, and Robbie Thompson bought a different voice. They won their first game, eight games under Robbie Thompson. There's something like seventy and forty six since then, or something like that. And you know, and I, you and I have talked about this before. Phillies deserve to win. They've spent seven hundred fifty million dollars in free agency. They didn't tell their fans. You know, oh, we can't do this. Oh, we, this, this, no, they JT Riamuto's got so much money. Dan Shaughnessy, our friend from the Boston Globe, uh, wrote this week Dave Dombrowski, who's the president of baseball operations of the Phillies, is taking yet another team to the postseason, as he did with the Red Sox. But the Red Sox have payroll flexibility, and, uh, and they're out of the playoffs. So sometimes, and it pays, and the Padres have been very aggressive with Machado and Hosmer and making trades for Juan Soto and Josh Bell and Josh Hader. I just think when you you say, screw that part of it, the money part, telling our fans we can't afford it, I think when you do that, you, you deserve to win. And they're here, and it's going to be a great series, possibly a tight series. But the Phillies are... Those are pretty good right now, you know, and I think the best example was Schwarber. That's sort of it's who they are right now. They don't. They think they they think they're pretty invincible, and they look like it. Um, I'll get you out of here on this. I actually thought the Tatis thing would sink the Padres, and it did, did not. Too. I thought they'd be done. What do you make of that? Um, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. I think clubhouses have an ego, and what professional athletes do, especially a guy like. Machado, and, and you see, you hear these TV guys are talking about Harper telling the t- team, "We're not losing, we're not losing." And I think sometimes you come together over adversity, and it actually makes you stronger. Would they be a better team with Tatis? Yes, on paper, yeah. clearly they would be. But I just think you know, they, you get on a roll, and you don't think you can lose, and you don't care what happens. Take a part out here, take a part out there, and we're going to keep rolling. And uh, that's. That's that's the mark of a really really good team. Yeah, both teams have spent a lot of money. They really yep. have, and they've spent. It appears they've spent wisely. Thank you, Richard. We'll talk during the playoffs. Thanks, Tony. Richard Justice, boys and girls, understands the Houston perspective better than all of us. Obviously, we'll take a break. Uh, email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. High School Choir. It's just beautiful. Just beautiful. Want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad, please? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, I starred in a series called What Happened? And every time something would go wrong, I would look at the camera and say, hey, what happened? We had a lot of fun with that. And other catchphrases like, I got a wheel wet wagon and uh, I can't do my work. And I believe I was the first to use the phrase, I don't think so. But it only lasted a year. And that's good because that's how you establish a cult. That's the late great, right? Yes. He's no longer with us. Yes. Fred Willard. I yeah. Mean, yes, Fred Willard from... Mighty Wind. It's just yeah, brilliant. He's in all those movies. <laughs> he's great in all of them. He's in, you know, he's in the um, dog movie. Yep, a oh, best yeah. in show. Yeah, he's in the dog movie. Yeah, he's in. Guffman. How much can I bench? Yeah, for your consideration, playing the awful like just Hollywood wonderful. reporter. <laughs> Thanks to our guests today, Chuck Todd, Richard Justice, and obviously Edith Saliza. Thanks to our sponsors, Freshly Solo Stove Electric E Bike. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. Would you want to plug your podcast again? Uh, it is called Downside Up. Please check it out. There are three episodes live. I hope people will like it. It has nothing to do with politics. Okay. All right. Thank you. This comes from uh, Dan Reichel of Limerick, Pennsylvania, formerly of Ron Konkama, New York, which is out in the middle of Long Island, and Tamarack, Florida, which, has, which is where my parents lived. So... Dear Doctor of Humane Letters, over the past year and a half, I embarked on an independent project that I called 162 Games of Catch, whereby I traveled the country armed with two baseball gloves and a baseball to simply play catch with various people from all walks of life and tell their stories. My journey took me to dozens of sandlots, up to Cooperstown, out to Wrigley Field, and to the site in Brooklyn 
where Ebbets Field used to stand. I threw with family members, former MLB members, Yogi Berra's grandkids, and even got to throw out the first pitch at a Yankee-Red Sox game this past July after playing catch with Aaron Judge and for catch number 162, my dad Frank, in the center field grass in Yankee Stadium. One of the absolute highlights for me, though, was getting to play catch number 112 out of 162 in New York Central Park with friend of the show, the incomparable Mr. Dave Sims. Isn't that lovely? As we threw back and forth, Dave and I talked about some of his favorite baseball memories, including calling Felix Hernandez's perfect game in 2012. If you have a second, ask him about the charity softball game he played in, where Manning first base was none other than some guy named Willie Mays. (laughs) Dave is one of the best there is, and it was such an honor to spend time together as part of this 162 Games of Catch project. What a wonderful idea that is. What a cool idea. That's phenomenal. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. Cool idea. From Brad Twait. Greetings from upstate New York. In the slim chance that you were not aware, I wanted to make sure that Gene Cornish night at your Nats AAA club, the Rochester Red Wings, did not go unnoticed. In case you've forgotten, Gene was a member of the Rascals. Is he? Huh. I haven't forgotten that. And his hometown is Rochester, New York. Gene, of course, was in attendance and followed the game up with a book signing at the Hog, the world-renowned House of Guitars. Please don't highlight any grammar sentence structure errors in this email as it's being generated upon returning from a trip to Vegas with fellow Littles Greg and Ed. Chatter shirts were worn on Fremont Street to many lecheserie greetings. How great is that? It's phenomenal. Bob Preliger, or Preliger, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm traveling with a group of 18 fellow in, uh, adventurers in Vietnam and on our way to a small town that borders China to the north. I listened to the October 4th pod. I'm curious if anyone has reported in from North Vietnam on your podcast. <laughs> Perhaps I'm the first. Yes, I think you're the I first. I think you are, yes. Wanted to let you know that this affirms what you said the other day about people all over the world catching up with you wherever they might be. Vietnam is a fascinating country full of gracious and honorable people. We certainly had a different impression of the country back when we were in high school in the 60s. The wounds may never heal, but at least there is mutual respect and a shared interest in making the world a better place. Isn't that nice? Yeah, well, I mean, we have to check. We may have had people from back from North Vietnam to go into the annals. Yes. You never know. Tom Moore writes, (laughs) Last week you were speaking to Dave Sims. He mentioned the Houston Astros radio broadcast, Robert Ford, who graduated from Syracuse. No one mentioned his most distinguished honor. He was the radio broadcaster for the Binghamton Bearcats women's basketball team. (laughs) There you go. From the fall of 2006 to 2009. Yes, that's right. He sat in the same seat as the new-minted Binghamton University Hoff among... Many other hops and longtime men's radio legend Roger Neal. I've been on with Roger Neal at Binghamton Games. That's really good to know. From Charlie Burtz in Springfield, Virginia. So let me see if I have this straight. There are about two million too many podcasts. Not everyone likes to hear about building picture frames or high school. Most of you aren't very interesting. You may have many fears. So does everyone else. Hire ZipRecruiter. <laughs> Sorry I got your dog's name wrong. I don't think we ever met or were formally introduced. Regards, DG. If you're out on your bike tonight, <laughs> to wear white. Yo, Chris, what's going on, man? I- I'm going to show you nothing but love. This is uh, the it's your guy, Eric Devendorf. <laughs> Sight not out of my 
connection when we pass each other in the evening in the kitchen it could be summer we complain about the heat could be the winter complain about the lack of heat we say excuse me as we try to pass catch each other's eyes and i hope Busy days, busy nights.